If you go to a pub in Ireland, you have to have a song. And if you don't have a song, you may as well not go to a pub at all. I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to buy me a Murray, well, I'd say Peroni as well. Right, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. The Four Blades are back. We had a week off because after the West Brom game, I don't think there's enough words in the English language to sum up the frustration that we had collectively and individually. Luckily for you guys, we're not going to leave you alone for too long. So we're here to do a quite short, quick-fire pod and, and probably call it the state of play. I'm John, and I'm joined tonight by Dan. Good evening, everyone. Philip. Good evening. Mr. Rams. Very formal. Good evening. Got to keep it formal. So we were headed for a point on Sunday. John Flake did something really, really rubbish. Jamie Vardy went and scored for Sheffield Wednesday. I mean Leicester City. I mean whoever he scored for and then assaulted a corner flag. He wasn't good. The game itself was poor. The, it, and I think it just summed up a lot of bad things that's going on at the minute. Dare I ask Dan, where would you like to start with what's going wrong, frustrations, things that you need to get off your chest? I thought we said this was, this was going to be a short pod. Because if I go into what's going wrong, things to get off my chest, it could be a while. Christmas Day, I think. Um, it's, it's, it's like I said before, it's just everything. If that covers it, everything that can go wrong at the minute seems to be. And I, I, Whether we will or not, I don't know. I, I, I just don't see us getting out of it. I, I know that sounds defeatist, and it's a really defeatist way to start the pod, but I just... Don't see us getting out of this. It's hard to it's hard to give a a, a a case to say that we will get out of it at the moment. It, that that's one point from is it ten or eleven games now? It, it's bound to make you feel like that. It, how can you how can you put a coherent argument against us going down as things stand? You've the, got the, to be the, the only, ultimate optimist, haven't you? Oh yeah. The, the only thing I would say um, to try and claw a bit of optimism out of it. I think it was Den Blades posted the other day. There's 87 points still to play for and we're six points off of safety. So in in that case, there's probably a good thing that there's three other teams that are shit this season as well. But it's not over. It's not over by a long shot, but there's no sign of it changing. That's the biggest problem for me. Yeah. When, when you've got a centre-forward that um, most of the fan base seem to accept as being fantastic, who in the last two games has fallen over when he's gone through on goal, we're going to struggle to stay in the division. Now, I am Forgive not... Me, I didn't see the game. Who, who are you talking about? Burke fell over again. Right. I don't think people view him as fantastic. I, I think people like the look of Burke because he gave us something we hadn't got in terms of a burst of real raw pace and something that can turn defenders because without him I don't think we've got anybody we don't break with any pace so it gives us something different that doesn't mean to say he's the answer either and you know like you say 
he gets us into good positions, but then if the finish isn't there, it's pointless getting into those positions. He's uh, like catching, you know. And let's he's be honest, he's more than anything else. He's far from the only striker that we've had this mid-season that's fluffed his lines when he's had a, a perfectly good opportunity in front of goal. I think. All right, he scored on he scored on Sunday, but McBurney's been far more guilty of missing guilt edge chances than Burke. I'd say there's a difference between missing guilt edge chances and falling over, though. I think falling over is embarrassing at Premier League level. Thinking that it beneath for West Ham, Haller, absolutely embarrassing, and and I just it, it frustrates me so much uh, when there's things like that in the game that are happening. Big big criticism of another player as well, and it's not necessarily his fault. But Max Lowe is just not good enough and shouldn't be playing. And it it like it's almost I don't know why he, he, we're, we're persevering with him when when Osborne came on on Sunday he looked so much assured. Bayman Woe should have been sent off as well. Yeah, look, we were yeah, so absolutely. fortunate, loading up. Right, I don't know how he didn't. Right, as well, he, he he fouled. Was it Fuchs? He fouled as well. Like a proper experienced pro was probably in the ref's ear, like that. Bang! He, uh, he 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 gives me nightmares. Um, I found it. I found it interesting today that there was obviously Reece Norrington Davis has signed that co- new contract extension, and in the interview with him, um, they ask him. Obviously, we said we know you're a left-sided player. You know where are you playing for Luton? And he said, "Well, I've played down the left, left wing, left wing back, left back." He says, "I haven't played left centre half yet, but you know, I can play there if need be." And I thought it was just felt like quite a, you know, direct question and quite an interesting answer. I think it depends on what's happening with Ender Stevens, but if he's looking touch and go and might be out for a while. I think Norrington Davis will be back in January. I think even if Stevens isn't, I, th- I think if Stevens isn't, I think there's a good chance he comes back. What I mean, talking about players coming back, what do we think? Probably digressing a little bit, but do you think there's any chance of Koulibaly coming over to the Premier League from from Belgium? I thought I thought it was a work permit issue. I, I thought with with it being three years, I thought it was, mm-hmm. was Stephen, a work Stephen Bettis said in an interview last week that if Chris wants him in January, he's, yeah, he's, he's on the first plane over. So yeah. um, I, I don't know. Three years is a long time to let someone develop without bringing them back to have a look at them. But I, I think anything to anything to mix it up, especially if it is an attacking player, uh, because. The the create the, the gulf of creativity in the entire team is embarrassing. So anything to anything to um, to change that, and I think if he's obviously on the books, and I think with the Norrington Davis one, if we are to be relegated and we are to struggle, I'd sooner somebody who is con- like one of a, who actually is a young player because I don't really understand why Lowe's being discussed as this sort of like youth youth prospect. He's twenty four. Right, Norrington Davis is a youngster. He's playing. He's been in the Welsh squad. I'd rather he learned at Premier League level a little bit, if that was the case. But if he does come back, he has to play. Otherwise, it'd be silly for him to not go and get those games in the Championship. You know what? The thing is, on on Sunday, yeah, the the sending off the or the non sending off of Low aside, I don't think he was actually that bad on Sunday. I think there were players who were there were a lot. There were players who were a lot worse than him. What done wrong? It wasn't the, the, great by any stretch, but he wasn't abject. I think. I think for me, he does that thing though. Where he gets noticed a bit for certain things, good and bad. So he burst forward pretty well two or three times. His final ball was appalling. 
Yeah. You know, and then got caught out. You know, could have, could have walked if we say got got caught out in not great positions. So, I, yeah, I, I take what you mean. I, they, they were worse players, but equally, I, I still think he was. Yeah, he was, I'm not defending him by any stretch. Yeah, I just think if, if we're if we're lining up. If we're lining up the team in, in kind of order from one to fourteen with regards to culpability, um, Berger, Black, um, Burke, Egan. Uh, no, Egan played well. Should have brought Vardy down, but played well. Well, they called Basham out as well, didn't they? For the past, I think Basham's dropped off a cliff myself last few games. <laughs> Been coming. It's been coming. I think it was coming at the end of last season. I think about the uh, Leicester away game, Southampton game. Looked absolutely at six. Newcastle end of last season looked absolutely at sixes and sevens. Um, is, this, is this just workload catching up with him though? Because our complete imbalance means he's probably doing more. We don't have that ability to go down either side, and we haven't had that through much of lockdown. With Fleck out, with O'Connell out at times. I can't remember him doing a lot wrong. He hasn't done that getting around the outside of um, Baldock very often and getting into the box. don't really remember him putting many good crosses in, but I don't remember him doing a lot wrong this season. But just doesn't look on it. It just doesn't look as, I don't know, just, it doesn't look as assured and confident. And maybe that's, maybe that's him kind of endemic of the whole team. Yeah, I'm going to say that that comes with, that comes with having a, a, a leaky defence and not being able to score, I guess, doesn't it? The, the confidence drains out and I, I dread to think what it will have done for the confidence conceding like they did on Sunday. I mean, I don't know if you saw the video, the, the shot where you see Wilder obviously yeah, on his haunches on the touchline. If you see Baldock's reaction. Yeah, he's fuming, isn't he? He's absolutely livid. I, mean, I, I can't remember if I'd actually put it on the group or just said it to myself about 10 minutes earlier, but I was thinking, Flex's first touch today has been shit and it was obviously that that cost us the goal. I mean, we obviously, and me in particular, highlighted Fleck two, three weeks ago as possibly the catalyst to, to spark some sort of revival. And he's been awful. He's come back in the side. So on, on that, things that we've discussed in the past, I asked a question, I think it was the last pod, it might have been the one before, might have been after West Ham. Are we a worse side with Sander Berger in it? We did, and somebody posed us this question on Twitter. Um, let me just double-check the name of the person. Uh, because he got some massive, he, we had a we had an absolute surge of followers, uh, and a lot of people liked this tweet. And the tweet was from uh, James Smith, Jimmy the Blade. Here's one for your lads. I think Sander Berger is the best player at our club. Or worst team for surname, superb player, but square peg in a round hole. And we did discuss it. But I think it is worth going over a few things about Berger. Um, I thought the. Like you say, Phil, I think we did discuss, didn't we, whether he's he, he's better, we're a better team or or not. What I find interesting is there's been a lot of players that Sunday was a lot of chopping and changing again in the midfield. So we in the previous game we created a lot of chances, albeit against a very poor West Brom side. But I think we'd all probably agree Berger had looked when he's played for us, he's looked better in the right hand side of the three. Rather than the this supposed deep role that apparently is his perfect position, yet every time he plays there, he's a complete passenger. And I, with that question, I think it might be a case of a square peg in a round hole, but then that brings up the argument of the system. But if you're going to talk about poor players on Sunday, Dan, as you touched on, he was rubbish, Berger. He did nothing. 
every so often he does something good. Every so often he gets the ball and he glides past someone or he just eases someone off the ball and you think, great. But then you'll maybe go 10, 15, 20 minutes and you'll not really see him. Not see him at all. Then he comes back in. He's, that's possibly an age thing and an adjusting thing. You know, give him two or three years and he might be dictating games and grabbing him, grabbing him by the scruff of the neck. So I saw an analogy that someone posed on Twitter actually to the to that question, I think, that you've just quest- you've just asked out, John. Um, it's almost like United last season were like a Subaru Impreza, a snarly, in-your-face boy racer of a team, and we've put a Rolls-Royce part into that engine, and it just doesn't fit. And it's, it's made the whole thing stop performing to its, its ability, including the Rolls-Royce part. And I, I just think it's, it's a good analogy to... Because yeah. we're not we were. No. I thought an interesting question back on that was, in which case do you blame the mechanic? Maybe that part into the car. And I'm not sitting here going to. I'm not going to certainly not going to shoot Wilder down fully. I don't think. I think like we said before, he's earned a degree of trust here. I think it's a worry. It's a worry how flat he looks. But equally, that question because he's still like you said, it comes back to the point. He still hasn't settled on a midfield. You're right. He has earned that degree of trust. However, and I'm probably not going to be particularly popular with anyone for asking this question, but should there be more criticism of, of Wilder? Because if we'd have, we've got one point from a possible 33. Had we got 31 from a possible 33, he would be getting lauded and, and quite rightly praised from, you know, from, from morning to night. So conversely, if you, only, if you take one point from 11 games, irrespective of what you've done over three or four years, there has to be some questions about what you're doing. I'm not saying I'm not saying sacking. I'm not saying your job should be under threat. I'm saying there should possibly be more questions, more 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 looking at what he's doing, and, and more questions as to whether he's doing things right. I, I think Dan, it's a very valid point, and I think what a lot of people lose sight of is you are able to be behind him and want him to be the manager of the club, yet still sometimes be not quite sure about certain things that have happened. Be those substitutions such as taking Lundstrom off on Sunday, be those bits of recruitment which we've long discussed on the pod, seem to discuss it every week, don't we? Um, And for me, one of the things that I think has gone wrong, and it starts with the burger thing, is our recruitment has almost been the sort of recruitment a Premier League team, I think, but like, I think it's what Bournemouth did later on. I think it's what um, Brighton have started to do and you've started to see the benefits now with like the depth they've got with the defence and stuff. And it goes back to the summer that maybe going all out for a Troy Deeney, Josh King, Callum Wilson and spending less money and getting a Ben Foster to go in net for a couple of years maybe was what we needed to have some more like Subaru Impreza parts, if you will, and like replace things that fit in the car rather than starting to build your dream car but you can't really afford all the parts yet so it doesn't I think it's I think it's a good analogy I think that there's clearly massive massive gaps in the recruitment massive we've said it we, we talked about it again we talked about it the other week we went after um, John Swift and then didn't have a second choice of that kind of player whereas we clearly need that kind of player. We've chased Ryan Brewster seemingly all summer when we could have quite easily gone and got, like you say, Troy Deeney. He's spending £18.5 million on a, on a 
a young goalkeeper when we could have got Ben Foster and, and the, the, it's all if buts and maybes though and, and I'll, I'll chuck something back at you John where yeah maybe he could be criticised during the game for taking Lundstrom off when he was having a good game because like, I didn't see it so I can't really comment on how he played but he was also getting criticism for him being on the bench because he's a contract rebel so he's damned if he does and damned if he doesn't sometimes he's going to get criticism either way Oh, yeah. And, but I also think, like, I think this is what Dan's getting at, that that's fair enough because he's not winning. And and I think... You can't this... criticise both things, though. That's what I'm saying. You can't criticise him for having Lundstrom on the bench and then criticise him for taking him off. It's... The thing is, the, the people I've seen criticise Lundstrom are the ones who... Sorry, the, yeah, the, the ones that said it was fair enough to take him off are the ones that didn't want him on the bench in the first place. And I'll be honest, I don't think there's a, a massive amount of objectivity going off there. I think people have made their mind up about him and whatever he does, they're going to hammer him. That's the same with several players now, isn't it? But Bernie. But Bernie yeah. could, could score for the next three or four games and I don't think it will ultimately change certain people's mindsets about right. him. Because they're so deep-rooted. Ramsdale, yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, obviously you know I'm not a massive McBurney fan. Um, I thought he played well on Saturday, not on Sunday. You know, I thought it was if he played like that, seven games out of ten, you know, it's that sort of aggression, winning the headers, winning headers in his own area, being a goal threat, great. But he did that against Spurs last season when he was almost was it Spurs when he was almost unplayable, mm. and then Sunday was the next time he's done it. So that's. That's one in. It was it was quite well, good at the game as well, but I I take and I said in the preseason thing, Dan, didn't I? I said I wanted McBurney to to reach that level of if he reached that level of performance, not even seven out of ten. I'm saying I reckon if he he plays like that ten games a season, he scores ten goals and therefore he's he, he's value in our side for the money he cost. Um, I just think. There's so many things we could get. Like we said, we'd have this short and short and a bit of a a bit of a wrap. Like it's a lot of players as well. When we're doing well, you can get away with fuck ups, whether they're on, on the managerial level. While the subs don't get don't get noticed if we're you know in the ground and we all go for a beer. If an individual player, so let's take Ramsdale. Uh, some things people perceive to be particularly bad, which aren't, but even some of the things that were mistakes in that Chelsea game, if you're in the ground and you watch that, your perspective on it is completely different to if you watch it on TV and you watch the replay 20 times. I completely agree. And, and, and it, it, it polarises everything. Nobody's doing okay. No Blades fans going, oh, he's okay. Everyone's like, well, he's, we could all tell you everything that's wrong with all the players. But equally, very difficult to know what's right with them because of how badly they're playing. I'm not enjoying watching us play on TV at the moment. I'm watching it on TV, I haven't done since lockdown. It's not just the fact that we're not playing very well and we're not winning games. I didn't enjoy it last season when we won a few games either. I just I can't get behind it. I can't enjoy it. Not seeing a minute of football on Sunday, not seeing the game at all. All right, I was gutted we lost, but it didn't it didn't hurt like I'm sure it did. You lot watching it on TV, seeing Vardy race through and scoring the last minute of the game. And it's almost got me to a point where I don't know whether I'm asked watching it on TV anymore. If, it's, if I can't be in the ground, I don't know whether I want to watch it. I think if Dan's aim had been better with it, if Dan's aim had been better with his remote, he wouldn't be watching it anyway because his telly screen would have gone through, wouldn't it? <laughs> she's, still, yeah. she's talking to me I, now. I, 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 no. 
but yeah, I know exactly what you mean because actually I had a conversation with a, a Leeds fan at work today and actually it was a reasonable one because he's saying they're living on the edge you know they're, they're, they're losing heavy you know one, one in two games sneaking through on other games but he was saying yeah, everything gets penalised and I think we could did we get away with it last season possibly at times and we probably didn't realise you know, I don't know how, how close I remember it's having... around it in some games we had a conversation know, earlier on the season last year that we were getting punished for every mistake. I, I can remember it. Chelsea were getting punished after, for every mistake. Leicester at home. It's, yeah. It seems, it seems like an age ago, and I guess that's the issue, isn't it? It's, it's mm. easy we forget. But I think we are getting punished for everything at the minute. Um, well, it was interesting Wilder calling it out after the game, and I'm sure we'll talk about Wilder in a bit. But he actually called individuals out for the first time. People have to be better. I just found that really interesting, a completely different mindset that he, he went into that interview with. And he, they do. And people, like, what I thought was my favourite thing that Wilder said uh, was the fact that he went, and we've got to pick the players up, and that's our job, and I understand that, but they've got to pick themselves up and raise up because they're letting, and it was almost him saying, we're, it, we're all in this together. And... They are, because a lot of these... Cause I, I posed it the other week about players going, like, if you look at Norwich, like, and the players they've actually lost, then we could end up finishing on a greater, like, points deficit than they did if we continues like this. We'll be lucky to get three points all season. Like, a lot of these players, like, the, are better players, if you will. Like, the reputation they built themselves over the last 18 months, two years, three years could be completely shocked from this. From from like this like it could look, it's not, but if we were to start getting battered two or three nil every week, it'd look like downing tools. Not even that, there's a stigma. I, I, I've got a big concern that I mean I've kind of almost resigned myself to the fact that we are going down. And if we were to go down with 30, 33 points, even 28 points, and we'd fought to the last four or five games, that's fine. You can kick on next season. My concern is that we go down with a, an absolute, you know, single-digit points, and that's then something where the rock can set in and the rock can carry over into the next season because the players become demoralised, they lose the winning habit. I, mean, I think when Derby went down with whatever the record low points is, I don't think they won until they played us, which was kind of almost halfway through the season. The it following. was a calendar year. Yeah. It, it would have been one, year, it was a calendar year. year minus one day and then yeah. Chef United rocked up at Pride Park. And, and that's the sort of thing that a season of finishing the season with 9, 10, 11, 12 points could do to you. That, that's my concern now that we, not, not only that we go down, but we go down in an absolute abject fashion. It's very strange as well, though, isn't it? Because like we've not lost, a, we weren't winning the game on Sunday. We've, we chucked away, a point, got chucked away from a stupid decision, and where we didn't show any game management, which is something I thought we were getting better at all the time at stages last season. We'd still be cut five points from safety, wouldn't we? And it's and it's interesting that I think it's the manner of the goal. It doesn't help the individual who scored it. But I just feel like Sunday for a lot of people confirmed that in the heads confirmed that we were going down, whereas really we didn't have any points off Leicester last season and they're sat in the Champions League spot. Honestly, I, I'm, I'm a positive person at the be- most of the time when it comes to football. You all know that. 
one win will change a lot of mindsets, a lot. And we talked to um, Jamie Ireland a couple of weeks ago. The players believed it. The players believed one win would change it round. And we've got to hope that these players believe the same as well. We've got to. The professionals, they've got to have that pride. Sunday. I think that's, po- that's possibly what's cost us the, 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 the defeat on Sunday. Because, again, if we'd have been on seven or eight points in that game, so that would have taken us on to nine, then the players are probably thinking to the home, 93rd minute, 92nd minute, against a good side, this is a decent point. We're so desperate for that win. Mm. We're pushing, we're pushing, we're pushing, and we get caught. If, like I say, if, if situations are different, we're, in, we're 14th in the table on nine points, we probably, we probably do manage the game better. Well, we're not yeah, thinking we can, straight. Fleck puts his boot through it, does a 40-20 rugby kick into the corner and pins yeah. them back. And start again. Pins them back. Just yeah. deal with it. Yeah. But he's and, that desperate to get on but, the front foot and try and create something that, and win, win as the game. But I'll I'll end up at that point on Sunday, given how poor we were first half, I thought, I thought the second half was more even in many respects. Leicester will always dominate possession, but I thought it was a, a more even contest. But I'm thinking at this point, blimey, we didn't take a point off them last season. We've got a chance of taking a point here. Let's have yeah. I wasn't bothered actually about pushing for a win. I didn't, didn't see us having the quality to, to push through and get a winner. But equally, I thought, you know, yeah, it's only a point and it only takes us to two, but it's another point, another point psychologically. It, I, it's not three, but it, I think it's a point would have been psychologically. It's 100% improved. Exactly. <laughs> Which is a terrifying stat, isn't it, when you think about it? Oh, a draw on the 11th game of the season, double the points total. Christ. At least I wouldn't have seen all the bloody chip fork images I keep seeing on Facebook. I mean, the, the, only, the only positive I can take out of that is I, I just hope there's a bit of that splintered corner flag stuck in Jamie Vardy's scrotum and it gets infected. He has to have his testicles off and live the rest of his life as a eunuch. I mean, it's pretty amazing that a club who released somebody who went on to score all these goals in the Premier League and play for England and score goals and break records and go on to win the Premiership and and be a very, very out of like what you'd call the elite, the second level, like the probably the best striker in that sort of grouping of the last five to ten years in the Premier League and they released him when he was 17 and tried to claim that by him scoring it's something against us in some way. I mean, not they bring him on last night. They could have done with him, couldn't they? Do you know what? I actually can't begrudge him because in, in that situation, scoring a 93rd minute winner against Wednesday to keep him rock bottom of the table... I mean, which of us wouldn't go absolutely crackers and smash corner flags a bit? So I can't, as much as I dislike him, as much as I think he looks like the love child of Basil Brush and Albert Steptoe, I kind of can't help but grudgingly like him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, he's, but his wife's a grass. None of our missuses are grasses. All right. I don't think so. But we know of. <laughs> I feel like we're clutching at straws a bit. Now. I don't know, you know. I can remember a few years ago when your missus deliberately texted me down to tell me you'd bought a flat cap after years of giving me stick for wearing one. Did so you she's right, a bit yeah. of a grass. She is, yeah, she is a bit of a grass. The plot thickens. <laughs> <laughs> I need to remember that. <laughs> so, so how, how, how do things change? How can we see it changing? 
Three points somewhere. Uh, not I, much. I, yeah, I mean, that's a fluky, but just any win. Any no win points. of any denomination. No one void the season uh, due to some sort of elaborate conspiracy. And I, I do jest. I don't really know Ian because Southampton to me are possibly the most. In, not necessarily as like effective as Tottenham, but they're probably the most impressive side in the league this season. I, I think we write the next two off. You write Southampton and Manu off, and I know that's crazy because that'll take us to 13 games into the season with one point. But that then, could be just what we need. Just that. But then you've got Burnley, Brighton and Everton as your next three. And Burnley, Palace after that as well. Burnley are down, with, down, down in the dead men with us. Brighton could go either way. And I think Everton, talking to a mate of mine who lives around the corner who's an Everton fan, they're, they're not as good as, as the early season form suggests. They've got a, an iffy keeper. I, I'd like to say, you write Southampton and Manu off. And if we took... We took five points from Burnley, Brighton and Everton. That's... It's, just, it's summit to, to it's start. Something. It's something. But I, we need I, a lot I, of results to go for us. Just that, what you've just said. We've said it before about wingers playing playing football. Just go and tell them they've got 20 games in the team. Don't matter what happens, go and express yourself. For the next couple of games, no pressure on them. Just go and play. We don't expect three points, just go and play. Like, like Ian's just said, that, that last minute, or like you said, Dan, if we hadn't have been chasing the game, we'd have probably got a point. The fact that we're trying to push the boat out to get this win that's eluding us, probably is screwing his minds. Trying to get back to basics and just playing football might be what we need. As, as well, I think you've got to play Brewster and McBurney together for a prolonged period of time. That We can talk, we've talked about Wilder's post-matches in, in this season. We spoke about money. Sometimes it can be a bit tedious. If you play McBurney and Brewster and, say, and they know they're going to be the strike partnership for the next however many games... I think you'd you'd see difference from the other players. I think Brewster would be very very interesting. Not so much the Southampton game is going to be challenging, but against one of the lesser sides, if he was to start that game and score a goal early in that game, we might see one of those performances where we were like, "Wow, we have really really got ourselves a player." You can so, see he's not suffering. I'm guessing because he's not been here long enough, and he wasn't part of the the kind of tail off towards the back end of last season. He's not suffering with his confidence because you could see the way he tried to chip tried to chip Schmeichel when yeah. he got that one out of his feet and just tried to chip him so he's not you know any other striker that we've got he's going to think about they're going to turn back they're going to look to lay it off and he so hopefully get him in the side keep him keep him nice and sharp because he looks like looks like the sort of player who two or th- after two or three games he gets a couple of good touches and a couple of goals become a little bit a little bit chirpy a little bit confident and I think that's possible what we need to drag us out of it because at the moment and I don't want this for him but he's going down as a Dominic Solanke Jordan Ibe sort of 20 million pound out the analogy is easy to make isn't it yeah uh, it's a fairly straight line isn't it so let's hope but, but the problem not to keep being negative but McBurney and Brewster playing every game would be great but the ball's got to go to them and I think that is one of the biggest issues. And we need someone like Fleck to show us what he's capable of. Too many players that in the past have done well for us aren't delivering. 
And it's not a case. I don't hate John Fleck. I don't hate Sander Berger. I certainly don't hate Ender Stevens, Ollie Norwood, Chris Basham, John Egan, you name them. I don't have a pop. These are players that we've talked on here about having a bit more respect for the long-serving players. But so many of them aren't at it. So many of them aren't at it. And we aren't good enough for that to be the case. We're not Man United who can bring on Bruno Fernandes when you've been absolutely dog dirt for 45 minutes and change a game just like that. We, we haven't got those players. So we all have to be at it, don't we? And like you say, Phil, that sort of go and express yourself, boys, and don't worry about it. Has to be the approach, doesn't it? And that's where a Koulibaly coming in in the new year might be a difference. Someone who's got a bit of confidence coming from a club that's overperforming. You know, as a newly promoted side in Belgium... Um, and like you say if, if Wilder is just fishing in loan ponds in January then it's got to be worth a gamble just to, again just, just to play with that bit of freedom someone coming in with a, without the weight of the world Meza Ozil in January on loan what you reckon Ian? <laughs> yeah wouldn't say no just that sounds like a good way to end the pod that <laughs> yeah it could be. We, should, we, should we just touch on the, the superstitious bits to finish? Because I think that's quite a nice way yeah, of finishing. Because yeah. I think we've all, all in the last week, it was um, trying to work out what can we do to change this look. And uh, I think Luke, producer Luke, on the, the WhatsApp group, uh, messaged friend of the pod and contributor, Paul McDonald, to say, the last time we were successful, mate, you were on a run streak. And you'd, you were you know, you're running fast, running long, running every day. So you need to restart the run straight. And I think, first of all, we can blame his work colleagues because Maka started that run straight last week. And then within about three days of starting it, his uh, work colleagues came down with COVID and he had to self-isolate. So to be fair to him, I think we should give a round of applause for Maka. He was doing the equivalent of uh, a kilometre or a mile going up and down the stairs. Up and down his stairs where he's going to... If we if we'd have won, it would have it needed a new stair carpet by by the time he'd have, uh, he'd have come back out of lockdown. I think. <laughs> yeah, we weren't funding that, but I think he'd have, he'd have taken a new stair carpet to kick off a, a three points on Saturday. But uh, we also had an interesting interesting message come crashing into our DMs this week, didn't we, John? Yeah, um, someone who shall remain nameless. Someone who shall remain nameless. I mean, here at Four Blades, um, we're not only podcast creators, Blades fans, football fans. Uh, we have been known to knobheads, yeah, we've been known to provide uh, some real heart to heart advice for some of our fans who are most in need and uh, somebody reached out who uh, in in the not recent not too recent past uh, decided that his relationship with his better half was uh, coming to an end. Um He's since been in touch with us and asked for our professional opinion as a bunch of four Lotharios. Uh, and we are in complete agreement that in order to spark a revival, uh, reaching out and getting back with a former lover might be the best thing for everybody concerned. The fact I mean, of the matter is, United's form's dipped ever since he decided this relationship wasn't going anywhere. So he needs to get over the fact he doesn't like her very much anymore and get back together with us so that United can start winning again, please, and thank you very this, much. So this is this is the opposite of taking one for the team. This will be quite literally giving one for the team. <laughs> oh, we'll have that. I mean, it was interesting. He says, it started when they met 
uh, on in September, just before the Blades beat Gillingham away, Gillingham away to kick off that run to the League One title. So there's all these connections. It's just I mean, too good to be true. Yeah, he's, he's got to. He, he absolutely got to. And if and if them having children together gets us to a cup final, then so be it. <laughs> what they're going to call kids, Danny and Phil and John? <laughs> Um, if, we, if we don't get invited to a wedding here, there's something wrong. <laughs> Gone all, and we've ended it all quite syllabic. <laughs> we're all there's we're a surprise. All, we're all desperate <laughs> for a win, but um, in order to cheer ourselves up and to cheer you listeners up, we're recording this on the Wednesday evening. Tomorrow, we're back online, uh, and we're going to be recording a podcast with the ultimate in cult heroes. And if you want to know who that is, you'll have to listen to it when it gets released. But we've got some things off his chest. It's probably not cheered you up very much, but we'll all be watching on Sunday and uh, who knows what will happen. Up the blades. Up the blades. blades. (laughs) If you go into a pub in Ireland, you have to have a start. And if you don't have a start, I've changed the Murray, by the way. So if anybody wants to find me Murray, right? Well, I'd say Peroni as well. <laughs>